Dear clients, dear colleagues, thanks so much for joining this month's CEO live stream, where usually we're going to talk about some of the exciting things that are happening in the world of financial markets. And I'm also, as per usual, joined by some of the best experts. We have to talk about this, uh, these exciting topics from the UBS CIO office. So when we entered 2023, we were talking about this as a year of inflections. We meant inflections in terms of inflation and interest rates peaking eventually in the US, probably somewhere around the second quarter, around the mid of the year. That's probably an inflection we haven't really seen yet. And in order to debate this topic out, I'm here joined by Leslie Falcone, who's heading our fixed income strategy in, in the US. But while maybe inflation interest rate inflection points were a little bit disappointing so far this year, we've seen some quite interesting inflections when it comes to Europe and China in particular. So in Europe, we've seen that gas prices have been coming down, lending a bit of a hand to consumer confidence and a bit more of an upbeat European equity markets into the beginning of the year at least. And a little bit similar in China and also for the rest of Asia where the China reopening that has happened a little bit quicker than we and the rest of the market was in anticipating is starting to create not only a positive situation in China, but also for some of the economies uh, around this. In order to debate these last two points with me, I also have uh, Tillman Kolb, who is uh, one of our analysts and experts when it comes to emerging markets and kind of broader Europe. And last but not least, also Matt Gilman, who runs our European equity uh, strategy. As usual, we want to have this as interactive as possible. So we welcome any questions that you might have from uh, the screen that you're on where you can post a question. And uh, we again have the section in two halves. First of all, we're gonna talk a bit about some of the macroeconomic trends driving the investment parts. That's for the public viewing, including on uh, the LinkedIn uh, page where people are, are coming in from. And then the second part, which is gonna be a bit more internal, where we're gonna talk about some of the uh, investment uh, strategies we have laid out as part of the UBS house view. Mark, you know, as you as you'd mentioned, you know, in our year ahead, we talked about, you know, the year of inflection where, you know, we felt that economic growth would be slow sort of in the in the first part, but re-accelerate re in the middle of the year. And although this has happened globally, it's happened at different times in different regions. So when we think about just the U.S., let's focus on the U.S. for a moment. You know, the first two months has been incredibly confusing when you think about the data. I mean, you know, we ended the year um, with the Fed moving, saying, going from zero to 4.5-ish percent in Fed funds rate, and the expectation that that large move would actually be a headwind to the consumer and actually cause a little bit of consumer, what we call demand destruction, with the hopes that inflation would come down and even the labor market would soften. And not only that, but as we sort of went into January, we had some, um, you know, tailwinds in terms of that expectation, given the, what we saw in, you know, declining retail sales, you know, the consumer spending seemed a little bit lower, and therefore the market not only priced in a pause for the Fed, but it actually priced in this pivot. And this pivot was that the expectation what the market was pricing in would be the Fed would ease, you know, fairly, you know, substantially at the second half of 23. And we had this kind of scenario where, you know, growth would be made strong, we're past peak inflation, and therefore financial conditions loosened, risk assets across the board ended up doing incredibly well. I mean, in the first you know, a few days of February, the S&P was up 9%. The 10-year yield had fallen from, you know, a 388 down to a 331. And, you know, every, we had this sort of scenario where, you know, the, mark, the Fed, at least, would, be, would come to the rescue and we were past this peak inflation. As time went on, you know, particularly as we saw the January data in February, 
you know, although the economy stayed strong, you know, tight labor markets and persistent inflation really started to, to rear its head. And what we're showing, particularly in this slide, is that, you know, the, the labor market in and of itself, and this just shows the sort of the individuals unemployed versus job openings, has, has been very strong. And the resiliency of the labor market has been incredibly strong, which obviously is something that the Fed watches in terms of what's going to happen to the consumer, consumer spending will continue, or does it have the potential to you know, increase sort of wage inflation going forward. And not only did we have that, but as we went through past this peak inflation expectation, we're starting to go from this sort of disinflation kind of rhetoric to, at least in the short term, a bit of reacceleration. And we know this from the CPI that we had a couple of weeks ago, but, but even on you know, last week, one of the Fed favorites, the PCE, the personal consumption expenditures, actually moved, went higher. So not only did it go higher, but part of this, you know, it spiked by the service side spiked by 5.6% year over year. This has been the worst since like the mid 80s. So one of the things that we're seeing now is kind of this, this shift, this shift in, okay, we went through this, you know, sort of growth, the growth is going to be strong. We're past peak inflation. We had a weakness in the consumer in January. Financial conditions were loosening. And now, as we end into February, we're making this bit of a U-turn as to now we have financial conditions tightening. And right now, we're witnessing both equity and fixed income markets going down. Picking up on that, Leslie, I mean, you've kind of laid out the story also where the labor market remains very tight. Is that something that means that we, in a way, have fed a, fed a tail? So we're both at the risk on one hand side of the Fed over tightening if we don't really kind of see an inflation inflect soon enough. But on the other hand side, I actually could see a bit of a path for an upside risk of the economy actually holding relatively well up uh, as, as the Fed is kind of tightening. Well, as we as I, as I shown the second slide, of, you know, is that what we're seeing now when you think about it with the shift in sentiment, we have to look at now what's priced in. Right. So now, you know, since the beginning of February, we've had the, the market price in. 50 basis points more of Fed fund rate hike. So now the terminal, and this is on the right-hand side of that of that slide, now we have the terminal rate up to five and a half. We've had you know short-end inflation expectations move up substantially in in, in since since mid-January from say a 1.6% that was the second week of Jan up to almost a 3.2. So now the market is readjusting to what we've had with this Fed rhetoric of higher for longer. And why I want to point this out is that it's really important to look at what the market is pricing in today. And we're seeing this, right? Because in, now in February, we have financial conditions and they're not loosening, they're tightening. So when we think about you know, how we want to go going forward is that given that the market has adjusted or readjusted to the path of the Fed, and it's taken out the easing in the second half of 23. It's moved up this, this, this what we call this terminal rate. More than likely, if it's not in June, it's going to be close to it. We're near the end of the cycle. We're near the end of Fed rate hikes, and the market is pricing this in. Now, some of the fat tail events that, that we could see here is that, you know, this is the, the sort of push me, pull me of, yes, we have much stronger growth than what we had anticipated. The consumer remains, you know, relatively strong, given what we anticipated, particularly how quickly the Fed moved in such a short period of time. But, but still, we have to look at the fact that how this higher for longer might come into play for the longer term. And as we know, there's a lag between the Fed hiking and it impacting the real economy. And also, Mark, we need to take a look at some of these other events that, that may be you know, short-term rises in volatility, such as the debt ceiling. And, and one of the things that I showed here, and if you look at sort of this, this three-month, 10-year shape of the curve, and we know that the yield curve has been 
what we call inverted, where short end is much higher than the longer end. But one of the things, if you look at that January, you see this blip in terms of what, what really this, this sort of move in terms of this yield curve. And part of this is due to the debt ceiling and the fact that we have moved to this extraordinary measure space. Now, that'll be a subject of volatility going forward. And even though we don't anticipate that we're going to go into default, we know that the rhetoric is, is gonna lead to this headline risk of these pockets of vulnerability. But one thing that we do, that we do know is that in the, in the US, you know, although growth remains strong, we don't know really how long this sort of higher for longer, what that impact might be. And there's, and when you look globally in terms of the reacceleration of either in Europe or in China, it's really important to diversify. Thanks so much for that, that Leslie. I guess an interesting message from the US where we have this kind of strength on one hand side, a potential positive, a potential negative and a, and a degree of uncertainty. And uh, speaking of uncertainty, Till, uh, we're about to move over to you. I guess we're a year into uh, Russia having invaded Ukraine, which beyond kind of the human strategy, obviously led the European economy to some extent down the drains, partly via indirect routes such as gas prices that were moving higher. Now we're kind of a year into it, uh, Till, and, and we are still at it. But on the other hand side, we've seen some glimmers of hope for the European economy. How should we reconcile all these different uh, points here, Till? Yeah, so the war in Ukraine, of course, is still ongoing. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like it is ending anytime soon. And as you said, um, last year, the, the war was a big shock for global financial markets and energy prices spiked up. You see it in the chart that is shown now um, after many, many years where prices were trending um, at relatively low levels, we see this massive increase. Um, what we have also seen, though, again, um, after the experience of the pandemic, is that societies, companies are adaptable, also in light of the war in Ukraine. We have seen that uh, European consumers industry have reduced their gas consumption, their energy, energy consumption. We had governments rolling out support measures um, for the populations. More gas was flowing to, to Europe, either via pipeline or LNG from Norway, from, from the US. Um, and also, um, one has to say that Europe was lucky with the winter weather so far that it was a relatively mild winter. And all of this taken together um, has led to a situation where gas storages are uncharacteristically high at the moment compared to history um, for that time of the year. And where this risk of seeing energy rationing in Europe has basically been diffused. That is, of course, very positive for the European outlook. And you mentioned it at the start, that has also supported European asset prices. If you look at the gas price right now, um, it has it has come down significantly significantly from from the peak. So what that means overall with regards to the war in in Ukraine and global financial markets that um, the war has been a key driver in 2022, but now it is moving more or morphing more into a kind of a background risk that if something big escalates, that would be a risk. But if it is uh, more or less the status quo, um, other dynamics in the markets are taking over. Speaking about other interesting market dynamics, Till, if we stay a bit with you, we've obviously seen that the China reopening, which we expected to happen closest to the middle of the year, has essentially been been pushed uh, pushed forward here. So how does that impact not only China, but also the rest of Asia when we look into 2023? We think that the reopening and the recovery in China will be the most important dynamic for, for Asia this year. 
Um, for China itself, we expect a strong consumption rebound, um, growth of around 7% in consumption, which should help the overall Chinese economy to grow by 5% or perhaps even a bit more. Um, when we look at first indications of that over the Lunar New Year holiday, um, we saw that consumption went up already. If you look, for example, at the slide that is shown at the moment, um, indicators for mobility, for, for travel, um, they have come back to levels that we had uh, before the pandemic. And um, it shows that there is normalization in the Chinese economy now after the zero COVID policies have been, have been um, put to rest. For the overall um, Asian economy, that should also be um, very supportive. Um, when we think about that, there are basically two main channels that we, um, that we have in mind. The one is trade, which you would see on the second page. Um, there, we saw that uh, the, the exports were going into contraction in the second half of 2022. That was also due to the restrictions that we had in China. Um, now, when we look at the sequential data for countries like Taiwan, like South Korea, we see that there is a bit of a bottoming out. And we would expect that to continue and go into growth again into the second quarter. The second channel would be travel. Um, as I said before, within China, uh, things are normalizing already, but we still have some administrative um, yeah, issues around issuing passports, around getting enough flights out of the country. Over time, that should ease and should also um, benefit the wider, the wider APEC region. I think it is important also to, to highlight that in March, um, we, we have a key catalyst coming up with the National People's Congress in, in China. That's basically the annual meeting where key um, policy priorities, where key economic targets are, are unveiled. And um, having a new leadership team with a new five-year term, we would think that they would want to be on the front foot. And from that perspective, we expect that there should be pro-growth um, policies being announced, uh, pro-private sector policies being announced, and perhaps even some of the uh, pages from the old playbook of infrastructure investments could also come through. So all in all, um, with respect to China and Asia, and um, with that also feeding into emerging markets overall, the growth momentum in our view is, is on their side at this point. Very good. Thanks so much for that. As always, thanks so much for, for tuning in and for the great debate. We wish you a lovely rest of the day. And until next time. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.